Hi, and welcome to the Keep It Clean podcast. I'm your host, Dane Gregory. The Keep It Clean podcast was developed around an idea of helping to inspire and motivate fellow cleaning professionals by listening to startup stories and histories of others in the business. Twice each month, we will interview industry icons and colleagues and get their story of how they got started in this oftentimes wonderful and sometimes painful business of cleaning things for other people. Hopefully you'll like, subscribe, and follow us so you never miss an episode. And if you would be so kind as to give us a review on your favorite podcasting platform, we would really appreciate that. As always, thanks for listening. Today we're going to talk to someone I've been excited to talk about for a long time, and that's Mr. Bill Doan. Bill Doan had a 50-year work career, 30-plus years at DuPont, where he changed the carpet cleaning world for all of us several years at Steamway International, and finished up his work life working as a vice president for Shaw Industries in their carpet cleaning division called Spectra. His vision and all-out bravery in discovering the professional carpet cleaning industry during his time with DuPont, and after that, company's decision to use one franchise company to complete their warranty claims handling, the Stainmaster juggernaut caught almost everyone by complete surprise as to how the consuming public would line up and purchase stain-resistant carpet. Many of us in the professional cleaning industry back in the 1980s were completely unaware that this new product was about to cause as large an upheaval as ever experienced in our little industry. Mr. Doan saved the day and revolutionized how carpet cleaners were viewed by the rest of the carpet value chain. Bill started his work career at DuPont in 1964, having a mechanical engineering degree from Texas Tech University, worked four years as a process engineer at a nylon production plant in Chattanooga, Tennessee, spent four years as international business manager in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and 13 more years in Wilmington, Delaware, in various sales, marketing, and managerial positions. When the cleaning industry met Bill, He was manager of certification and consumer quality for DuPont's flooring systems division. Bill was able to quickly recognize the relationship with only one entity was going to end badly. So he went where he knew he was not going to be treated very well, an independent carpet cleaning trade show. Talk about walking into the lion's den. Good news, he and we both survived to this day because of his willingness to take his lumps and commit to making the situation better. Bill has now retired, moved back to Texas, and lives with his wife of many years, June, and enjoys spending time with his grandchildren. Bill Doan, thank you very much for what you did for us, and we really appreciate it. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Keep It Clean podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Dane Gregory, and today we have a special guest, not an official member of the uh, cleaning industry early in his career, but he got into the cleaning industry a little bit later. We'll let uh, him tell the story. We have with us today Mr. Bill Doan, formerly of DuPont, and he's going to tell us a little bit of the early history of coming out in the late 1980s with Stainmaster Carpet, which was a DuPont-branded product. So, Bill, welcome to the podcast. Dane, good to be with you. Look forward to it. Wonderful, Bill. You know, you and I have spent some time together back when we were uh, working with the IICRC together and a little bit when uh, you had gone to work for Steamway International. And so what I want the listeners for the podcast to hear today is a little bit of what had happened. You were in charge. You worked for DuPont for many years. And if you want to give some of your history with DuPont, that would be great. We'd love to hear that. And you were involved with Stain Master Carpet. So just kind of walk us through the process of 
how that all worked and what some of the challenges that you dealt with back in the late 80s when Stain Master Carpet first came out? Well, I'll give it a whirl here, Dane. Stain Master was a program that had considerable years of preparation. As it turned out, it probably still wasn't enough, but it, it started in early to mid-80s. And as I recall, it was about 1986, middle of the year, when Stain Master was officially introduced. It was a huge program on DuPont Textile Fibers Department part. Good grief, they spent, I really don't know the exact amount of money, hundreds of millions of dollars just advertising it. When Stain Master came out, it appears to me that it pretty much fundamentally changed the carpet industry. It gave people something to think about, talk about, and want in a way that maybe they had never had before. And so when Stainmaster came out, it sounded a sound that was heard across the country in the U.S. anyway, and, and later in, outside the country for consumers. We got started in it in a major way. But like anything, there's always things that you need to learn. The marketing, the development, the introduction, the massive program to get it out was all very successful. We did learn, though, that when you put down carpet and you have a warranty on it that you will replace it, if you can't get a stain out of it, it's a big and expensive deal. And so when we got started, we realized that we needed uh, a team member to help us with the. It's one thing to make it carpet and get it installed properly and all that sort of thing. But if you do have a problem, what do you do? And as it turned out, and this was slightly before my time, there was an agreement made with a company that everyone is familiar with, I think, Stanley Steamer. And they were going to be the service arm uh, of DuPont uh, Carpet Fibers for Stainmaster. And when we had a problem, they would literally go to the home, the building, the location, pretty much anywhere in the United States and take the spot out. If they couldn't be taken out, we replaced the carpet. It's not quite that simple, but it's very close. Mm-hmm. You will, might remember even better than I did. That caused an uproar in the carpet cleaning industry. Everybody thought that DuPont was trying to pull a fast one on the rest of the industry and got very upset. What do you mean? You, the only people that can work with DuPont is Stanley Stamer. Well, that's the agreement we had with Stanley Stamer and and they worked hard and they had a national program. And overall, they did a pretty good job for us. They really did. What we really realized after the fact, and it was quite a learning experience, was that there is a massive cleaning industry out there. And there's some, some extraordinary people, talented people that have a great desire to not only improve their business, but to help out in a program like this that kind of took the whole nation uh, from a carpeting standpoint in the eyes of the consumer. So making a long story short, a lot of people got very upset with DuPont. It was kind of a small war going on. How could you have done this? Maybe we need to sue you. And I, it, it got Ridiculous, I think. But anyway, I'll kind of jump forward and say one of the things that DuPont decided to do, and I was appointed to kind of be the lead guy, was we've got to work with people 
that we need. We need to work with people that will help us make this program even more successful. We did not know ICRC. We didn't know whatever it was at the time, 12 or 13 cleaning organizations that existed across the country. And at that time, if my mind doesn't fail me, there were supposedly some something like 30, 35,000 carpet cleaning companies out there. And we needed them. Stanley Seminole was good and they were big and they were in a lot of places, but they weren't everywhere. If you needed to go to Pocatello, Idaho, you didn't always have somebody. We couldn't send Stanley Seminole just everywhere. So we started a program, I guess, kind of, I did it, I guess, to figure out a way, how can we work better with the carpet cleaning industry? And so I went out, I got involved with I guess just about all of the carpet cleaning uh, organizations that were out there met lots of people. Dane Gregory was one of them. Larry Cooper was one of them. Kenway Reed was one of them. Tom Hill was one of them. The list goes actually on and on and on. I'm a little hesitant to mention names because I will mistakenly leave somebody out that I shouldn't. There were a lot of important people out there that actually turned out to be extraordinary good friends and working partners in this industry. I guess maybe the next step in this might be the launch of the whole program to try to do a better job really started with a carpet cleaning show in Columbus, Ohio. It was put on. Dane helped me on this. I think it was the UCCI. Correct. All of the different organizations had different names and so forth. And I really don't remember them all now, but we were in Columbus. And uh, we were at the Marriott Hotel. Everybody there, I think, facetiously, were waiting, I think, to kick my butt. Uh, John Downing was the guy I was kind of working with to get set up for the show then. And he said, Bill, you really want to come out here? I said, sure, I do. I'm going to do my job and I want to do my part. And uh, we got out there and, and a lot of people a lot of people were really upset with me. I gave them a presentation, told them what we were doing and all of that. And I remember saying these exact words. I'll repeat this again in a minute. I will work with you if you will let me. DuPont does not have any interest in this except to work and cooperate with this industry. We have a huge program and we need as broad a distribution of cleaners to help have satisfied customers in every square inch of the United States, and we need help. Mm-hmm. Later on that day, kind of at the end of the meeting, I will never forget this. John Downey and his family were all there. John's one of my best friends, and I got to meet his father. What a man he was, and his sister. And anyway, they were kind of loaded for bear for me, and they were polite but very pointed to me and they wanted some help and they wanted some direction and they wanted something done about allowing more people to work in this program. Standing on this stage, actually the meeting was in a bar and I thought, well, maybe he's got a hangman's noose in here just waiting on me. But uh, lo and behold, they didn't. And a couple of people kind of came to my aid and I will never forget this. You might remember a gentleman named Bob Hughes. He was with Kim Speck at the time. Uh, I suspect he's passed 
on now. I don't know. I haven't seen Bob in a long time. Howard Olansky, ICS Magazine, as I recall, and a uh, gentleman named Ralph Block. They sort of, they defended me, I guess, but they, what they did is they said, let's give Bill a chance. Let's give DuPont a chance. And that's when I repeated the words again. And I remember telling that whole crowd of people, DuPont will work with you if you let us. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to work and I want to cooperate with you. And we want to have a program to all of us have an opportunity to do better. Well, mm-hmm. that instigated something that really kind of started the whirlwind on this. And that was, and Mike West, a guy named Mike West helped me do this. There was a stain master up, well, I, stain resistant training program. It was one of the biggest boons I think the ICRC had in a long time because I there were hundreds of meetings across the country where we were trying to bring people up to date with with and about stain master stain resistant technology, how to deal with it, what to do, what not to do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so that kicked off a program that really kind of was the beginning of maybe some success because it gave the cleaners an opportunity to learn about the program, to know that they were going to be encountering this. And we wanted them to know what to do when they walk into somebody's house and they had a stain-resistant carpet. What are some things that you should always be sure to do and some things not to do? Mm -hmm. And went through kind of the details of the chemistry and the technology of stain resistance to carpet. Well, anyway, it w- it went from there, and we had a we had a national contract with Stanley Steamer, and, and uh, we were bound to it for a period of time, and, and uh, we decided as that program began to end that we would expand the program. We needed broader coverage. Even Dupont had no idea how successful this program was going to be. And on top of this, I'm probably wandering too much, Dane. On top of this, DuPont started the stain-resistant revolution, but we were quickly followed by Monsanto and Allied Chemical. Those were the big companies making nylon for carpet at that time. And every one of those companies, I wish I could remember their names. My memory's bad, but... I got to know the guys from Monsanto. I got to know the guys from Allied. We would be together at trade shows. I would do my part. They would do their part. You know, we would all answer a million questions. And, and of course, the marketing was there. Everybody thought they had a better product than the other, whatever. Sure. Uh, the, the truth was that everybody had a pretty good program and product. And it got better with time as we all learned. Sure. Uh, so sure. that that's kind of the way it got started, I guess, Dane. And, okay. Uh, well, let me just let me just throw a couple of things in there to just maybe kind of jog some memories and go down a couple of pathways here. Um, although I appreciate you mentioning me early on, Bill. I wasn't there yet. I, I wasn't part of the organ of the INS organization at that point in time. But I will kind of give you some idea of. The Master Series program, which came out of that, which you mentioned about hundreds of cleaners around the country, I attended one at the John Don location in Chicago. And it was the first time I had seen a group of cleaners that large anywhere. I hadn't gone to any 
trade shows or conventions yet. And it was just the, I believe what you just described was the first time that a manufacturer, someone in the carpet value chain, if you will, thought of the professional cleaning industry as a partner. And, and that, that's kind of a watershed moment for the industry because up until that point, it wasn't that they were enemies with the carpet industry. It's just that the carpet industry didn't really take them seriously. And for the listeners who are unfamiliar with this, DuPont doesn't make carpet. You made nylon and you sold it to the carpet industry for them to make their carpets. You sold it to Shaw, you sold it to Mohawk, you sold it to exactly. places. And so it, it took that level to get involved. And then the ISUC kind of caught on from that where people realized that getting this training was very beneficial to them because of the technology that the stain-resistant nylon brought to the carpet industry. Up until that point, you didn't see anything like that. So that was, like I said, a watershed moment for the industry. So that's great that you were able to do that. And then you took the slings and arrows of the people because if there's a couple of things that people know about independent carpet cleaners is, one, we like to have an opinion about things. Two, you might find us in a bar occasionally, which I think is, is always interesting. So the Columbus, Ohio thing went on. And then in talking with some of the other people, they mentioned how you had kind of looked at the IICRC and, and figured out how to use that organization to get this level of training across the country so that DuPont had a, a, a happy consumer out in the, in the marketplace. Well, yeah, yeah, that that's true. You mentioned a real key point. A lot of people thought we made carpet. We didn't. We made the fiber. And we had huge partners out there. Shaw and Mohawk and, and everybody in the carpet is nobody. They couldn't afford not to have Stain Master. You know, some liked it, some didn't like it. But the truth was that name sold. And uh, we couldn't make enough product for a long time. And our competition jumped in and kind of filled the gap and all that kind of thing. But it opened a lot of doors, particularly I remember, I guess, one of the early meetings with Larry Cooper. We were talking about how we could put together a program, how we could have training, how we could have education, how we could do this. And that's the point, I guess, the first time I met Kenway Mead. And really the first time I kind of began to learn some about, as you mentioned, I think in your last podcast, IICUC, now IUC, uh, anyway. And so... That was another turning point to meet with Larry and Kenway and find out, hey, there is an organization out there. There's people out there. There's companies out there. There's a network that we we could tie into. We wanted to work and be helpful to the industry, but we needed their help. Mm -hmm. They didn't need ours. We needed them. And uh, the training started. The certification started. And the program just ballooned and it went on for years and years. And and it finally turned out to be something I think that probably, I hope I can say this, it probably really put some synergy around the carpet maintenance and cleaning industry. The suppliers to it, the actual cleaners themselves, the fiber producers, the carpet producers, the Carpet and Rug Institute, it just kind of went on and on. And it just bloomed into a, a situation where finally all of the players finally, number one, knew each other. Number two, sit down at the same table. 
And number three, decided maybe if we work together, everybody can benefit. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't quite that simple, but that was the intent and the overall direction that we tried to go. And like I said, it really changed the idea because now the carpet manufacturers themselves, Shaw was one of the big early adopters of the training program with this. And we got to know a lot of those folks. A lot of those folks served on the IICRC certification board uh, where all the volunteers came together. The science of cleaning really started to develop from that point. And then you look at what's happened in the restoration field with, with all that. So Bill, you were there uh, probably one of the center points of really the development of this industry as far as it being looked at. I mean, the, the cleaning industry was around for a long time before, you know, DuPont came up with stain resistant nylon and all those other things happened, but it wasn't really thought of in the same way that it is today with our other industry partners. We were the rented mule of the group, I guess you would say, where we were a, a necessary part of it, but we weren't really looked at as a true partner until those things happened. Now, it wasn't right away where everybody said, oh, look, these carpet cleaners, we should welcome them in and everybody should be happy and singing Kumbaya and, and all those other things. It took a, a lot more time for that to really develop. But now, as of today, 2021, the carpet industry looks at the cleaning industry as a true partner. There's a lot of back and forth between those industries of, of how to handle different things that are being produced and, and brought out there today. So that, like I said, I, I always appreciated you being at the beginning of that. And then, Bill, you loved it so much that you decided to join the industry after a while. Give us a little bit about the, that thought process. Well, I was with DuPont for a long, long time about 30 years, I guess, and an opportunity uh, came up to deal with one of the partners that probably helped us the most, and that was Steamway International. And I guess it was in the early 90s, I don't remember the exact date, Ralph Bloss and Doyle and Greg Bloss offered me an opportunity to to work with them, and I, I said yes, and my wife and I moved to Denver, Colorado, and one of the prettiest places on earth, I might add, maybe the nicest place I ever lived, and uh, work with Steamway and work with them and their customer base and, and their equipment and chemicals. I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Maybe I helped them a little bit. I hope so. But I learned a lot, and I enjoyed it a lot and had a chance to meet a family. The Bloss family was absolutely a Wonderful group of people. Ralph's passed on. And Janelle is now passed on. But Greg and Doyle are still very much active in different jobs now than they were. Steamway really doesn't exist anymore. I think Greg's in real estate and where is he? Hawaii. And Doyle works for Hydromasters, uh, uh, I recall. Yeah, Remember the Hydromaster people well. So anyway, I, I worked with them for oh, a number of years, probably four or five. And then as it turned out, DuPont did it. That's, DuPont actually got into the carpet cleaning business. They had a, a dry cleaning system. And uh, Shaw decided that one of the things they wanted to do, particularly in the commercial area, is, is have a network of dealers across the country, particularly for commercial carpet, that where we did installation and where we did carpet maintenance and cleaning. And they offered me the position of VP of marketing and that endeavor. And we set up and I went to work for Shaw late 90s, probably 97, 98, something like that. And we set up carpet uh, 
Clint, we had dealerships, 33 of them all over the country. Mm. And I had an opportunity to help them do that. And as it turned out, uh, I had a leading role in running the, one of the largest ones they had, which was in Atlanta. So when I went to work with Shaw, I moved to Dalton and was there for a few years. And then I moved to Atlanta and, and actually worked not only with the networks that they had across the country, but with the actual hands-on operation of a very large cleaning company, Spectre Carpet Cleaning, still exists there now in Atlanta. Did that for a number of years, learned a lot, stuff I wish I'd have known earlier, but, you know, time doesn't always give you what you want, but it was a great experience. Sure. So, Bill, we're going to take a quick break here to hear from one of our sponsors. So we're going to be back. I want to know more about that Spectra uh, position and and what you did there. So uh, we'll be back with the Keep It Clean podcast in just a minute. Carpet Cleaner America's counter-rotating brush technology began in Austria in 1979 and continues today to be a force in the industry all across the world. Our CRV machines are sold in over 58 countries and several territories. These machines are legendary, dependable, and built to last a lifetime and perhaps longer. With all that history comes a bit of wisdom. Our machines are dependable enough to help you get more from your carpet cleaning process. Use our Pro or TM series machines to accomplish any number of tasks in your clients' homes or businesses. From carpet to tile to vinyl floors and yes, even hardwood, with our dry compound cleaning media, Carpet Cleaner America machines work on them all. From pile lifting to deep vacuuming, from agitating your pre-spray before extraction cleaning to low moisture encapsulation. From carpet to tile, we brush it all and we pick it up too. Ask your local distributor for an Austrian machine made to last a lifetime or find us at carpetcleaner-usa.com. Okay, we're back with the Keep It Clean podcast. Today's guest is Bill Doan. Bill Doan was formerly of DuPont. Bill Doan was at the epicenter of the uh, real beginning of the professional cleaning industry for us, where we started to get noticed. And then Bill came into our industry, and he was just talking about in the late 90s, he went to work for Shaw and the Spectra division, the, the commercial. It was it was 100% commercial operation. Is that correct, Bill? That's correct. Maybe a tiny, tiny bit of residential, but it was 99% commercial carpet. Okay. and Well, I should say commercial flooring. Shaw, and and even back in those days, we were also very big in hard surface, primarily stone and that sort of thing at that time, but eventually got into the laminates and the hardwoods and the whole nine yards. Anything that the commercial flooring industry needed, Shaw made, installed, and, and maintained. That's kind of where my piece of the action came in. Okay. So from the Spectra side, what type of processes were you using in the commercial carpets? Cleaning methodologies were being employed. <laughs> well, I'm probably fixing to get in trouble. I have, and still am, I was probably as hardcore believer in hot water extraction as you might be able to find. And basically that's what Shaw did across the country and particularly in Atlanta. Uh, where I had more of a hands-on opportunity. Having said that, though, I tell you, it's been a long time. There, there was a, there had always been dry processes. There, 
host uh, capture uh, by Melkin and probably some others. And, and it was always kind of back and forth what was really a good cleaning method and which one was a, just an interim cleaning method and, and a lot of politics and debate back and forth on that. Well, as it turned out, I guess probably the last three or four years that I was with Shaw, we pretty much went heavily to encapsulation. We came up with our own, well, we, we adopted that technology and used it a great deal. Mm-hmm. Encapsulation taught me a lot. Is it absolutely as deep cleaning as hot water extraction? No, I don't think it is. But it is an extremely effective way to clean carpet, and it it's much easier and less labor intensive to do. And if you set up your programs right, which I think we did, you clean the carpet a little bit more often at a lower cost. You keep the carpet looking good all the time. The appearance of the carpet, the longevity of the carpet, the whole nine yards was better handled with the encapsulation process. Now, did we still use hot water extraction? Yes, we did. And as far as I know, it's been a while, they still do. Hot water extraction is an extraordinarily good system done right. And I could do a whole tirade on that, but I guess I won't do that. But we tried to do things right. We believed in vacuuming. Ever heard of that, Dane? Mm. We we believed in uh, using a good vacuum cleaner. We used we believed in using really good chemicals, those that did not resoil. You know, it took the industry quite a while to realize one of the problems with any cleaning process is that you don't want to put anything on the carpet that's going to attract soil itself after you're done cleaning. You have to extract it all out or the truth is you can't get it all out. The truth is there will always be some residual there. Well, it needs to be non-resoiling. Probably getting too carried away here, but we we learned a lot. We got better. We reduced our costs, and we did a better job for our customers by offering a wider variety of cleaning methods and cleaning frequencies that best serve the uh, customer from the standpoint of the longevity of the carpet. And that's really kind of the crux of the matter. It's the longevity of the carpet. And customers make a huge investment in that, and they want it to last. And and you have some people who don't understand the concepts as maintenance as well as they should or could. And they have this tendency to believe that, well, if we clean it when we think we need to, that'll be good enough. And it, it, it unfortunately is not, especially in the commercial side of things, because it's designed to hide soil, and I, I'm not going to tell you how carpet's designed because you were there for it. But it's interesting to me that you took that idea uh, and brought it into to, uh, Spectra with that. So you looked at this for a long time before you made that switchover, correct? You, you That's what it is. I, I thought it was crazy when I first heard of it. But when you understand the chemistry and you understand the fact that I don't care who makes the product, you, you, you're not going to get all of the cleaning solution that you put into the carpet out. It just doesn't happen. And so anything that's left there needs to be pretty much inert or at least not damaging. Should not uh, help the carpet get 
dirty quicker if chemistry was a revolution, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I'm really out of touch, Dane. I don't know how big a deal a hot water extraction, the different dry chemical systems, encapsulation. I don't know the percentages and how big all of those are now. I would guess that hot water extraction is still an extraordinarily important cleaning method to use at the right time in the right way. I would say that more carpet is probably cleaned with encapsulation or the dry system than hot water extraction. I'm just guessing. But I would guess that's the case because if you use the right chemistry and the right machines, that's another thing I could talk about for a long time. You don't just brush that stuff in. We use kind of rotating brush machines that were extraordinary. And you have to have the right kind of brushes for the right type of job. And you obviously always pre-vacuum. Sorry about that, Dane, but I must say that. Pre-vacuum, pre-vacuum, pre-vacuum. A lot of companies, I bet you still don't do that. And that's a serious mistake. It's one of the things that I try to harp on a lot when I'm, I still teach classes now, although because of the pandemic, we're doing a lot of our classes over Zoom calls like this, where we're talking to the, the folks because we can't be together yet. Everybody's not vaccinated, so we can't be together. But it's one of the things I harp on is the dry particulate. I don't know who did the studies for this, but we quote a, a line that says 74 to 79% of the soil found in carpet is non-soluble. It it has to be taken out dry. And were you involved in any of those types of tests back in the day? Well, probably not as much as it should have been or could have been. I got involved more specifically in what you talked about. We did a lot of work with with Shaw and the CRI and some companies in, in Dalton in evaluation of vacuum cleaners. One of the most important things you do in cleaning a carpet is get as much of that dry soil out early on as you can. Help the customer to understand that it's important to do that on an ongoing, basically with commercial carpet, daily basis. And by the way, in case I haven't said it, use a good vacuum cleaner and change the dead gum bag. Sorry. These are all traps that, uh, you know, that are maybe still out there. Maybe we're all past them by now. But we we got into some chemistry testing more than the actual, I guess, science of it. We just knew that no matter the process, there was going to be something left in the carpet when you were done in any cleaning method. And you didn't want to leave anything in there that was going to further harm the carpet and its appearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I find it interesting. And again, I love that you're harping on those on those things because I think it's still something that needs to be addressed today. Even where I guarantee it's probably still a challenge. Oh, I'm positive it is because I I talk to cleaners all the time. But I find it interesting that Dupont at one point with their Invista company went into the cleaning world, and they I think yes. they focused on commercial carpet. Spectra focused on commercial carpet, obviously, with with things. But I just find it interesting that uh, of those large companies like that, why do you think that even though the Atlanta uh, Spectre is still there and, and there's other things, but the network didn't really last as long as they thought it would? Is that correct? Uh, there's still roughly, I'm really dated on this, so my, this number is a guess. I would say 
90% of the sites are still there from the standpoint of having products, installing products, whether they're still offering maintenance. I, I haven't talked to those guys in a long, long time, so I don't know. I will say this, it has been an uphill battle. Shove water up the hill big time problem to get people to understand how to protect their investment. Every DuPont, Shaw, individual companies across the countries have worked tirelessly and still are, I'll bet you, to try to get companies and residential locations, people to understand the importance of just taking care of it. And I think I heard Tom Hill say this. At the, at the end of the day, what people want is they want a good appearing carpet. You know, it's hard to know whether the carpet's clean or not. You talk about cleaning carpet and so forth. What you're doing is you're improving the appearance of the carpet and hopefully removing all the contamination, soil, debris, whatever that you can out of the carpet. Does any system get it all out? No. If you start with a good system, when you put the carpet down and you use a good routine program, including vacuuming and a, and a cleaning company that knows what they're doing, that carpet can last virtually, well, dated on this too. Carpets get replaced about every 10 to 12 years, sometimes earlier, sometimes longer, but 10 or 12 years. The carpets can look good for a long, long time with a good program. What it will take ever get that completely instilled in every consumer's and every commercial location mind, I'm not sure. I'm sure that challenge is still there. Oh, absolutely it is. And, and that's one of the things that I find, you know, also interesting and somewhat ironic with as far as we've come today with information availability and all the other things from the 80s through now, that we still have some of the same attitudes from the building managers or the building owners about taking care of the fabrics they have on the floor. They, they wait again, just like it has gone on forever with carpet. They wait until they see the soil before they start to make a decision. And by then, it may be too late. It, it normally is too late. And you've heard all the same slogans that I have. That there's virtually nothing that you don't have to maintain. Your car, your home. I mean, everything has to be properly maintained. And there's a, kind of a, a sense, or there was, and maybe still is, that uh, Carpet is kind of, people don't understand. I mean, you walk on the stuff. It's going to get dirty. It's the way it is. And mm -hmm. without a good program, you're simply not going to protect your investment. I used to harp on that all of the time. You can worry about how the carpet looks, whatever you want to say, but you spent money to put it on the floor. And it's, and you're liable to, and you will keep it on the floor uh, as long as it really looks good. You know, and styles haven't changed and some other things like that. But just take care of it. Protect your investment. Just like you do anything else. Change oil in your car. You have to. Mm -hmm. So you come from a background of nylon manufacturing and things like that were in today's world. And back in those days, I remember taking my first ISRC class in the late 80s. And they basically said nylon was king of the fibers in, in there. You could close your eyes and and point down to the carpet and guess nylon fiber, and you'd be right two out of three times because of the market share that nylon had. Well, that market share has dwindled away. Polyester has made a huge inroad 
uh, into that. Give us some of your thoughts. I know uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with polyester. I, I I don't know if you ever worked with the manufacturing of that, but nylon had all of these great attributes. You mind weighing in on the nylon versus polyester idea? Well, I will always believe be a believer in in nylon. I came from the home of 6-6 nylon. That's what DuPont made. The others made type 6, but they're close. I think nylon, it has better resiliency. It's overall the best fiber, in my opinion. I remember Kerry Mitchell. He was, uh, he was a very, very talented, good guy and a friend of mine at, at Shaw. He used to try to maybe keep a little balance in my thoughts on that. And it, it's really all a function of construction. If you construct a polyester carpet correctly, the correct amount of twist, the correct pile height, density, that kind of thing, you can have a polyester carpet to perform very, very well. If you want, but you have to be very careful with the, with the, with the specifications of it. Polyester by itself will not perform like nylon will. If you construct the carpet correctly, polyester can perform very well. Nylon is probably a little more flexible. You can get away a little more with things with nylon because nylon will naturally return to its kind of original position due to its better resiliency, which polyester is very poor at. So, and polyester is, is somewhat inherently stain resistant. It resists stains better. So polyester has a clear advantage there. But with a stain-resistant technology, nylon can be treated where it performs clearly as, as, as well as, as you would want as long as you take care of it, which right. is also true with polyester. Hmm, interesting. So you, you at some point, and I, and I find this very difficult to believe myself, but you looked at some point and you said, I think it's time to retire because I always thought you'd always be there in your suit, ready to go. You were an early riser, if I recall. I like to get up nice and early to get the day started. So you came to the point in your in your career, you said, it's it's time to to go. And tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. I retired in uh, 2007. And as I mentioned to you, uh, maybe a little bit earlier, retirement's not, it's overrated. <laughs> it, it, it sort of depends on the individual and and so forth. Dane, when you get ready to retire, have a good plan. Know exactly what you want to do. You know, I don't know, travel, garden, hobbies, whatever whatever you like to do. All I did during my working career was work. I didn't think too much about anything else, and that was a mistake. It took me a while to get used to retirement. I did some uh, consulting work for the CRI. I did some work for Georgia Tech. I did some work for Shaw. I did some things to kind of, I guess I'd say, wean myself into retirement. That first morning I woke up after retiring from Shaw, I thought, good grief. What am I going to do today? You know, I mean, it was kind of pitiful. I said, I'm not going to go in there and watch TV, I'll tell you that. I'm going to do something if it's wrong. So anyway, I, I that's when I wound up doing some consulting work. And I truly enjoyed that. And that, once again, helped me. And now moved back to Texas after 50 years of being gone. All Texans returned to Texas. I don't know if you know that or not. But anyway, and my family's here. I lived away from my family for 50 years. Mm. 
and I, uh, I see my grandkids now. I see my sons. I see my brother and my sister, what's left of my family and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I've kind, of, I've kind of mellowed into retirement, I guess. I actually truly enjoy it now. And if I had to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and work till 6 or 7 o'clock at night again, well, first of all, I don't think my body could do it anymore, but I think I wouldn't last very long. So retirement's now good. Just when you retire, be ready. Wonderful. Well, Bill, thank you so much for your time today. I know you and I had worked together many times, and I always enjoyed your company and and being around you. In the last couple of years, we've kind of lost touch, so I appreciated uh, kind of reconnecting with this. And just hearing your story again, I think it's really something about where we're at today as an industry, and we have folks like you to thank for this. So, Bill, from the bottom of my heart, uh, for what you've done for this industry and what this industry has done for me and my family, I really appreciate that. Well, Diane, it's it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I, I, I want to kind of end on, on one thing. I was, I've thought about uh, had a day or two to actually try to work on this a little bit, and and I remember one thing that Ralph Bloss told me, and I think it's uh, kind of an appropriate summary and ending for what we've been talking about today. And I heard him say this a thousand times: change is inevitable, growth is optional. Everything in our lives, every business that we're in, everything that happens, whether it's uh, fracking in the oil business, fossil fuels, whatever, everything changes. Our culture and our country right now is changing. You could talk about good, bad, whatever, but change. And you got you got to realize in your job and in our industry and in retirement or anything else. What's going on today won't always be exactly the same. So you've been a big part of change for the carpet cleaning and maintenance industry. And uh, quite honestly, I look forward to this. This has been an inspiration to me because I haven't talked really to anybody in this industry in a long, long time. I just walked away from it and didn't turn back very much. And that's probably a mistake. There's guys like you, guys like Dan Bernasani. Guys like Tom Hill, Larry Cooper, and once again, I got to be careful with names because I'll leave somebody out. There's a lot of people out there. They're good people, and they're friends, and you shouldn't lose them. Well, Bill, we're going to keep in touch from this point forward. I'll, I'll guarantee you that. So, yeah, let's uh, let's end on that because I think you've kind of summed it up and to use the wonderful words of Ralph Boss, who has said that to me many times myself. So, I appreciate you reminding me of that. So. Bill, again, thank you for the time. Uh, Thanks for being on the Keep It Clean podcast. And we'll look forward to talking to you real soon. Very best, my friend. Take care, Bill. Bye. Bye. Wow, that really brings me back hearing those stories from Bill. So again, thank you, Bill, for all that you've done for us. And I know he had help. There were other people involved in it. Larry Cooper, Kenway Mead, Tom Hill, the IICUC Board of Directors at the time, and everyone else. But without that man's vision, without his thought process on moving this forward, I don't know that we'd be in the same place that we are today. So uh, I really look forward to the interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll be putting some more interviews up in the next uh, several weeks. So another edition of the Keep It Clean podcast is complete. I hope you find the topics and guests refreshing and inspiring. 
I also hope you'll like us, subscribe, and review so you won't miss a single episode. Again, this is your host, Dane Gregory, wishing you well in your cleaning and restoration endeavors. As always, thanks for listening, and remember, keep it clean.